preacher. Uh, I know as a pastor, when you uh, take a book of the Bible and you preach through it, there are some passages that are really hard, difficult. Uh, it's, it's hard for people to hear, hard for me to preach. But then there are some passages, like this one we're going to preach today, that are so wonderful to preach. Every passage is excellent. It, it, they are. But some of them have uh, shine a little brighter than others. I'll say this. Every star in the sky is a star and shines very bright. But some of those stars in the sky shine a little bit brighter than the others. And there's some passages of Scripture that just shine brighter than the others. And you guys are going to recognize this passage. It's one of the great passages in, in all the Bible. It's one of the most loved. It's one of the most encouraging. Everybody in here should be glad that you came to church today. I mean, this is an outstanding verse uh, or passage we're going to look at today. Uh, J.C. Ryle said this about these, these verses. He said these verses shouldn't be written in black. They shouldn't be written in red. They should be written in letters of gold. They're that, they're that beautiful and that wonderful. Uh, so we're going to look at it today. You say, why are they so wonderful? Why are they so great? Because in these three verses we're going to look at today, it's one of the greatest invitations Jesus ever gives. And I want to give you that same invitation today. So we're going to look at it. Let's stand together. Let's read these three verses. Uh, I would highlight these. I asked Brandon this morning as we were getting ready for Sunday school, I said, do you have a highlighter? I want to highlight these verses. I want, I want these to stand out. That when I flip through my Bible, it's like it's shining bright in my Bible. These are great verses. So let's read them. Let's study them. Uh, but most importantly, let's enjoy them today. You should enjoy reading and studying these verses. Uh, so let's, let's read these. Starting in verse 28, going to verse 30. Uh, here's the invitation. I mean, this is beautiful. I mean, I, I think you guys get this. I love these verses. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am, this is one of the few descriptions Jesus gives of himself in the entire Bible, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. These are great verses. Let's pray together and then we'll study them. Father, we thank you for your whole word, I love it all, from Genesis to Revelation. It is wonderful that we have your word in our language that we can understand. It's sitting in front of us. But God, I'm thankful for verses like these, that they comfort my soul. They give me encouragement. They uplift my spirit. They put fuel in my tank that I can live and walk another day in this sinful world. But I'm thankful most of all for my Savior who said these words. And God, I pray that as these, ver these verses have encouraged me, have uplifted me, have comforted me this week, that they will do the same to the people in the pews today. I love these verses, and I pray that you would use them today, God, for the edification, the building up, the comforting, encouraging of your people. May we all walk out of here today on cloud nine because of these three verses. Help us today, and we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. One of the first gestures, one of the first forms of communication that a baby does, and I've got great experience with children because I have four, so I can say this, it's not just one, it's not just two, it's not just three, I've got four, and I know this to be a fact. One of the first gestures that they learn, one of the first forms of communication that they have is come here. 
Maybe not the first words that they say, but the first gesture that they recognize, and it happens all the time. You lay a baby down in the crib, and one of the first things that they see is their mother or father with their hands outstretched, reaching down into the crib and, and saying, come to daddy, come to mommy. And then as they grow up and they begin to walk, what's the first thing that, that we do? I love doing this. I wish I could go back and do it again. One of my favorite experiences is you is we have, you have mommy on one end with a little bitty toddler, and it's a wobbling little baby. You know, no strength in its legs at all. And you put the dad on, you know, not too far away. I learned that lesson. <laughs> you know, at the beginning, you're just, you're, you're very, it's a short distance. And you sit there and, and the mom lets go and the dad says, come here, come here, come here. And, and that's, the, that's the, the, the gesture that they see more than anything else as they're growing up. And as they get older, they're going to start doing that to you. You don't have to do it to them. They'll look at you and say, Dada. They'll look at you and they'll say, Mama. And what they want to do is pick me up. I want to come to you. You've been saying come to me for all these years. Now I want to come to you. One of the first gestures that they learn is arms reaching out, wanting them to come to them. And, and that's an amazing thing because the first image that they see that a kid gets in their mind is a parent with outstretched arms. One of the first pictures that they get is a parent with a smile on, on their face. You, you, you with me there? I mean, because when I look down in the crib at one of my children, and, and I don't have that anymore, but you look down in the crib at a child, you don't do, come here, you know. You, you smile, and you're sitting there just so loving, you want that child. And when they're sitting there trying to walk, you don't do, walk to daddy, you know. That's not what you do. They're going to turn around and go back to mommy. You sit there with the biggest smile on your face and you're saying, come to daddy. And when they start walking towards you, you're overjoyed. I mean, it's, it's one of the most wonderful things in the world. When they start, and you're smiling, and it, it's just because on your face, there's a welcoming smile, there's an inviting smile, there's a loving smile, there's a glad smile, there's a willing smile, there's an open smile. Come to daddy. Now let me ask you this, that's the first image that children get of their parents. Let me ask you this, is that the image you get of Jesus Christ? Because across the world and maybe in this room, that is not the image that you have of Jesus. It's just not. And it should be. It's the image that we see all over Scripture. And I'm going to give you a few examples of this. The first image we should have of Jesus is of outstretched arms. With a smile on His face, wanting us to come to Him. Open, inviting, welcoming, glad, willing, come to me. What's this? Let me just give you a few. And this is, this is just a handful that, that I could give you today without running out of time. Because he repeatedly tells us to come to him. Constantly. He's like a broken record. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me and be saved. Come to me and be comforted. Come to me. Look, let me just give you a couple of them. John 1, he says, come and see. Matthew 4, he says, come and follow. John 7, he says, if any man thirsts, let him Come. Luke 18, he's having a banquet in a parable. And he says, go out and, and compel them to come in. Go to the highways the, the, and the byways and compel them to come. I've got more. Matthew 25, he says, come and be blessed. Revelation 22, 17, one of the last verses in the Bible. This is the last one I'll read you. says this, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Let him come. One of the last verses of the Bible is of outstretched arms of Jesus telling the world, come to me. 
Come to me. The image we should get of Jesus when we think about Him is of an open, inviting, welcoming, glad, smile on His face, asking us to to come to Him and be saved. Come to Him and find comfort and encouragement and peace. You should see these words, hear these words, and feel the compassion in in His words, the loving heart, the welcoming voice, the arms reached out, inviting us to come. What a wonderful picture, an image that we get of, of Jesus. And again, it's, it's all over the Bible. Next time you read through the Bible, look for invitations to come. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's in Genesis. It's in Revelation. The Bible is full of, come to me. And nowhere does it shine more bright than in these three verses. Nowhere. In these three verses, Jesus has just been rejected by his people. We read that last week when we looked at the, what it means to reject Christ. They've repented not. They've rejected Him. They stood in His face in front of all the evidence that they could ever have. And they told Jesus, no, we don't want you. We don't want to have anything to do with you. They're going to put Him on a cross and kill Him. And what does He do? He stands with open arms in the face of a crowd that is rejecting Him. And He says, come. Come to Me. Come to me. That's what he's saying here. He stands with open arms and he gives us the three greatest words you'll ever hear. Come unto me. Come unto me. Last week we heard the three worst words you'll ever hear. Woe unto you. This week we hear the three greatest words you'll ever hear. Come unto me. Come to me. So I want to show you today the greatest invitation that's ever been given. I want to look at it. I want to explain to you why it's so great. I I looked. I was on a thesaurus all week trying to find a a greater word than great. I titled the sermon The Greatest Invitation. And I said, I need a better word. And I couldn't find a better word than greatest. This is the greatest invitation that's ever been given. And I want to show you, say, why is it so great? Why does this one stand out? Why should this be written in gold? Why is this shining brighter than any star in the sky? I want to show you three reasons why it's the greatest invitation that's ever been given. So let's look at it. Starting with number one, it's great because, and I know these points may be long for you today, but to pay attention, it's great because of the person that it's from. It's great because of the person that it's from. When me and my kids, when I do it, when I go to the mailbox and I pull that mailbox open and I, I, I see mail in there, and, and I get a little bit excited every time because you never know what you're going to get. Usually, bill, bill, bill. And I, I'll look in there and you just look through it and there's ads and there's bills and there's sale papers. And, and then you see a different colored envelope and you, and you take it inside and you, and you know it's got handwriting on the outside. So it's, it's, it's actually somebody sending you something. And I go in there and I hand Steph the sale papers. I hand Steph the ads. I say, I hand Steph all the bills. I hand her all these. And I sit there with that envelope and I start opening it. because Somebody sent me something. And the first thing out of Steph's mouth, the first thing out of my kid's mouth is, Who's it from, Dad? Who's it from? And I like to say, it's none of your business. <laughs> so when we have this invitation sitting in front of us, the first thing that I want to ask is, Who's it from? Who is this? Because he says right there in in verse 28, come unto me. Who's the me? Who's the speaker? Who's offering this invitation? Who is this? We live in a world full of cheats. We live in a world full of liars. We live in a world full of people that are deceiving and and they're fake. So we're going to ask this question. Whoever this is that's giving us an invitation, come to me. Do I want to come to him? 
Who is this me? There's a lot of people that will invite you to a lot of things. And some of those places you don't want to go to when you find out who's inviting. So who is this? Do I want to answer this invitation based on who it's from? And the answer that I'll give you, the me is not a church. It's not a denomination. It's not a religion. The me is the greatest person you'll ever meet. The me is the greatest man to ever live. The me is the best friend that man has ever had. The me is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's great because of the person that it's from. And you say, who is he? I love that verses 25 through 27 tells us who he is. I'm going to tell you who he is. Who is this guy? Look at verse 25 with me. Look what he says over and over and over. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. I'm going to move on down. Verse 26. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. Verse 27, all things are delivered unto me from my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. You see what he's saying there repeatedly? Father, 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 Father. That's what he's saying. He's saying, and he goes on to say in John, me and the Father are one. No man knows the Father but the Son. He's, he's saying here a statement of his deity. He is the Almighty. That's who he is. You want to know who's inviting you to come? It's the Almighty who's inviting you to come. I like that. He's not just any man. He's the God man. He's God in flesh. The son of the most high. Very God of of very God. Jesus, the one looking at us saying, come to me, is God himself. That's a great thing. When 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 you think about that, I get a lot of invitations. But this one is greater because it comes from God himself to you. So he's the almighty. I'll give you another one. He has all authority. Look look what it says in verse 27. All things are delivered unto me from my Father. You see what he says there? Matthew 28, he says, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Which means everything in heaven and in earth is underneath him. He has authority and power and say so over everything. I like that. That's who he is. Who is inviting me? The Almighty, the one who has all authority. And we've seen that in Matthew. He has all authority, get this, over all angels. All authority over all demons. Demons, when he says leave, they leave. He has all authority over illness. When he says be healed, it's healed. He has all authority over the body, over the soul, over heaven, over hell, over life, over death, and over eternity. He has all authority. When it says all, do you know what all means in the Greek? (laughs) You guys will think I'm so smart. It means all. (laughs) That means there's nothing that isn't under his authority. Not a thing in this world is not under his authority. Nothing happens without his say-so. Psalm 2 says that the scepter, the father hands the scepter, the authority over to the son. He stands as ruler over all. He's the almighty. He has all authority. And he's the only one. I'm going to give you the third one if you guys want to see who he is. He's the almighty. He has all authority. And he's the only one that grants access to the father. You see what it says at the end of verse 27? Neither knoweth any man the father, save the son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Nobody in this room can know the Father in heaven unless we know the Son. It's the only way. 
Didn't he say in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father but by me? This is a slap in the face to every other religion in the world. There's no other way to the Father. No other religion even calls God Father. What Jesus is saying here is, come to me, come to me, and I'll take you to the Father. That's a marvelous invitation. Come to me, and I'll take you to the Father. No other religion has access. No other religion will take you to the Father. No other religion will get you to the Father. There's no other way to the Father but through the Son. The Almighty, the, the one who has all access, the, the one who has all authority. The only way anyone will ever know the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ. You'll never get to heaven. I don't care what anybody else says in the world. That when other people of other religions or atheists or agnostics when they die, they always say, rest in peace or whatever. You know, they're in a better place. No, they're not. Unless you know Jesus, you're not in a better place. It's the only access to the Father is through Jesus Christ. You say, Josh, that's kind of narrow-minded. I'm sorry, I'm only as narrow-minded as the Bible's narrow-minded. And Jesus says you can't have access to the Father but by me. That's who's inviting you. I'll give you one more. He's all accepting. Look what he says. This is not. Verse 29 says he is meek and he's lowly. Because when you think about it, when in my mind, this is how my mind thinks. If he is the Almighty, and he has all authority over heaven and earth, demons and angels, life and death, heaven and hell, authority to forgive sins and to cast out demons and to, to, to heal diseases and to raise the dead, and that's who he is, then I'm gonna, on, on, the, on my end, I'm going to be a little bit intimidated coming to him. Wouldn't you? I mean, if I know somebody who has all kinds of power and has all kinds of authority and I have a police officer saying, come to me, I'll be like, I'll stay here. <laughs> or you have a judge saying, come on up, I'll, I'll, I'll stay back here. Or you have, in school, if you had a principal over the loudspeaker say, Josh Tompkins to the office, hiding under a desk. All authority, all power over the school. I'm going to stay away. I'm, I'm scared. But Jesus here says, I have all authority. I have all power. I'm the only one that grants access to the Father. But you better believe that I am accepting. I'm meek and I'm lowly. I'm not a principal. I'm not the judge. I'm not a police officer. It's not keep your distance. It's not stay away. It's arms stretched out with a smile on his face saying, come to me. I'm meek and I'm lowly. I'm not going to. I'm not standing there with a paddle, you know. I'm not standing there with a finger. I'm standing here with a smile on my face. Saying, come to me. I wonder. Just, just think about it. I, I sit and think about these things. Politicians don't do this. I watch those debates and I'm not going to get political. I watch even our president and they stand up there with a scowl on their face. Vote for me. <laughs> You know, give me your vote, give me your support. And, and right after they do that, they say, send me your money. <laughs> what are you so mad about? And I'll take it a step further. How many preachers do you see who stand up and invite people to come to Jesus? Come to Jesus. <laughs> Why are you mad? <laughs> 
Invitation time. You know, just growling. I'm mad. You know, no wonder nobody comes to Jesus. If that's what Jesus looks like, I wouldn't come either. Come on, you know. And I, I think I've probably done it before. Right? I, I've had kids that, that their parents will tell me, they say, uh, why is Josh so mad? <laughs> and I think, is that how they see me? I want kids to look at me and say, why is he so glad? That when he gives an invitation at the end of a service, he either has tears in his eyes or a smile on his face. Come to Jesus. You know why I should have tears in my eyes and a smile on my face? Because Jesus does when he says it. Who gives an invitation with a scowl? Who gives an invitation with a frown? The first picture we get of Jesus and the main picture we get of Jesus. Oh, you say he will judge. You know, some some people say that. Oh, he's going to judge. Yeah, but right now he's smiling saying, come to me. Oh, there will be a time of judgment. Psalm 2 says that if you don't kiss the sun and bow the knee, that he will crush you like a vase in a house with a scepter. It'll happen. It'll come. But right now, in this age, an age of grace, when you're sitting there and I'm standing here, the invitation goes out, come to me. Come to me. Now let me tell you something else. When he says come to me, he's saying I'll take you to the Father. Back to my introduction. I've read this this week in a baby book. <laughs> That not only is the first gesture that a kid learns come to me, but usually the first words of a child will be one of those parents that say, come to me. It'll either be mama or dada. And the first words out of our mouth when we come to Jesus, the Bible says, is Abba, Father. He says, come to me. And I'll take you to the Father. So it's great because of the person that it's from. And next, it's great because of the people it's to. It's great because of the person it's from. And now it's great because of the people it's to. When I read this, I believe that this is written to me. You say, why can you say it's written to you? Because look what he says. And so far, we've just made it three words. We're going to be here a while. Verse 28, come unto me. And then the next word, fourth word. There's that Greek word that means all. This is an inclusive invitation, come unto me all. An open invitation that is wide and sweeping and comprehensive and universal. This is an invitation that has Jesus with his arms open to the whole wide world. I saw a commercial this week that said from Bulls Gap to Big Stone Gap, from Abingdon to Appalachia, from Pennington, they didn't say this, I added this, from Pennington Gap to Pound. <laughs> I added that one myself to God's country. I saw that commercial and I thought that's, that's how he invites. Every direction you can look, north and south and east and west, he says, come unto me. I like that. It's every tribe, it's every tongue, it's every nation, it's every class. I don't care if you're rich. And I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you live in Hollywood. Or I don't care if you live in our neck of the woods. I don't care if you're dumb or if you're smart. I don't care if you have a degree or you have no degree. Jesus says, come unto me all. 
These are amazing words. You say, why does he say all? Because there's somebody out there that's going to say, I bet it's not for me. I'm too poor. I'm too dumb. I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not good enough. I'm not moral enough. There's somebody out there that says, it's not to me. And that would probably be me. Am I sure that it comes to me? And Jesus says, that great word, come unto me. All. That's all inclusive. He's inviting all to come to him. Get this. There's not a person in this room that's not included in all. That's a great invitation. It has my name on it. Go open your mailbox. Guess what? You got a letter from Jesus saying, come to me. That's an amazing thing. He has no partiality towards any group of people. There's a wideness to God's mercy like the wideness to the sea. He's reaching out to the whole wide world. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he's inviting them all. It's, it's in all inclusive. You got an invitation. I feel like Oprah Winfrey. She says, you got a car, you got a car, you got a car. <laughs> Jesus says, you got an invite, you got an invite, you got an invite. You're sitting there, do I? Yeah, you got an invite. Come to me. There's no other club, no other organization, no other institute in the world that says everybody's welcome. There are some clubs that if I walked up to them and said, can I get in? They'd say, no. <laughs> you don't make enough money. You're not, you don't have enough status. You didn't pass the test. Jesus says all. All. But then he adds something here at the end. Just to make the invitation go a, a little bit further. Look at the next phrase. Come unto me all. Those that are labored and heavy laden. This is a particular group that he's inviting here. Those who are laboring and heavy laden. Those who labor is people who are hard at work. We've got a generation today that don't know what it means to labor. But he says labor, exhausting, is what the word means, labor. You're working to exhaustion. Where when you get done, you can't put another foot in front of the other. You're sweating, you're overwhelmed, you're fatigued. And on top of all that, somebody comes along and puts a heavy burden on top of your back. Imagine this. This is what he's saying here. Because when he says, you're, uh, all ye that labor, that means you're working. And then you have a, a, a load on your back as you're working. Imagine that. And we, have, we live in coal mining country. So if, you're a, if you think about a coal miner who will go into the mines and they're, they're in a very small area. And they've got their backs down and they're working their, their fingers to the bone. And they walk out pitch black from the work that they've done all day long. And they're exhausted. My dad used to come home from the mines exhausted. And he, he wouldn't even have, have the energy to take a shower he would just come in and just lay down he was so exhausted now imagine this not just exhausted but while he's working somebody puts 400 pounds on his back is that not going to be a little bit harder yeah labored and heavy laden with with all kinds of worries and and fears and anxieties he's picturing for us here people that are wore out all you that are wore out to come to me Primarily going to the Jews who are working so hard trying to save themselves. They're working so hard following the laws and the ceremonies and the traditions. They are. These people that he's inviting are mentally exhausted. They are physically exhausted. They are emotionally exhausted. And you better believe they are spiritually exhausted. From the top of their head to the bottom of their toes, they are barely holding it together. You say, what does that have to do with any of us? Because there are millions upon millions of people in this world that are just like them. 
They are everywhere. They are in here, and you better believe they are up here. We are an exhausted people. You say, no, Josh, that's not me. I get it. Most people won't confess it. They won't tell anybody, not even their closest friends and loved ones. They act fine. They hide it. They gloss over it. They put a facade on. They post on Facebook, life is grand. Life is wonderful. Everything's great. When in reality, deep down, the truth is they are barely holding it together. Understand that. You can act like you want to act. You can walk into church, and this is what I hear every single day. How are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Oh, things are going great. I've never heard anybody, when I say, how are you doing? Life stinks. I'm barely holding it together. I'm surprised I'm here. I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> but in reality, instead of me saying, whoa, my answer should be, me too. I'm surprised we got here today. There's an old quote that says, most men live a life of quiet desperation. As they act outside like they have everything together as a show to everybody else. But deep down, everything's falling apart. And they're doing everything they can just to keep their head above water. Can you imagine how exhausting that would be? If you're trying to keep your head above water and you're working to exhaustion and somebody comes along and says, here's a 400-pound vest. Now try to keep your head above water. That's the picture this is. And that describes almost everybody in this room. Millions upon millions of people. And you say, oh, it's just people in Big Stone Gap where the economy struggles and there's no jobs and there's no money and there's drugs. No, 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 no. It describes the people in Hollywood. It describes your movie stars. It describes your athletes. They're all, every single one of them, are just barely keeping their heads above water, trying to swim and work and, 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 and strive. Why do we hide it when we're all in the same boat? We're not all in the same boat. We're outside the boat trying to hold it all together. That's who we are. We're the ones. And you say, no, I got it all together. No, you don't. We're all. See what he says there? Labored and heavy laden. That's, that's every single one of us. And you say, what are, we, what are we so labored about? Let me give you a couple of things. I'm making good time. I've still only covered like four words, but I'm making good time. The struggles of life weigh us down. You're barely making it. And at work, you, you go to work and your boss puts weights on you. The economy puts weights on you. Here's more hours. Here's less money. Here's no insurance. <laughs> here you're fired. Just another weight on top of you. You go home and your kids put a weight on you. I need new shoes. I need new clothes. <laughs> I need a PlayStation card. <laughs> I, I need, I need. And your spouse comes home and, 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 he, and he or she does the same thing. I need, I need, I need, I need. And you're sitting there just barely keeping above water as it is. And there's more. And then, and then you go to the post office and you want a letter from somebody with encouraging words. And you open the mailbox and, and in there, there's no encouraging words. There's just bills upon bills upon bills upon bills upon bills. And it's just one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. And we just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper. 
And then you come to church, and you know what most preachers, even this one, do? We put more burdens on top of you. You need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to be in church here, and you need to be in church there, and you need to give this, and you need to give that. And it's just, I'm barely hanging on. I'm sorry for putting more on you than you can handle. Then you have regrets, and you have doubt, and you have heartache, and you have disappointment, and you feel like you're about to drown in life struggles. That's who he's inviting. Let me give you another one. How about this one? I'm, I think I'm doing good on time. Hold, hold with me. Not just the struggles of life, but the failures of life. That every single one of us are not what we want to be. Every single one of us are not where we want to be. I live in a constant state of, God, I'll do better tomorrow. My little boy Christian, he's not up here, so I can talk about him. If he was up here, I'd still talk about him. He struggles with behavior. He's just a little boy, you know. He's just all the time into something. And every night, and we jump on him so much, so much. And every night before he goes to bed, he comes up to me and kisses me and hugs me and says, Daddy, I love you. I'll try to do better tomorrow. He shouldn't feel that weight right now. I said, I'm sorry, buddy. You're doing just fine. You're doing just fine. Sometimes all your kids want to hear is, you're doing just fine. But it's not just Christian. I live in that. God, I'll do better tomorrow. I try. I think all of us try in here. Every single one of us. We're here. We give. We try. You work hard for your kids. You work hard for your spouse. You work hard. You, I know you do. You, you try. And you know what we do? We fail. And then we say, I'll do better tomorrow, God. I'll do better. And then you wake up in the morning and you find yourself in the same pit you was in the day before. I'm sorry, God. I'll do better tomorrow. I went to bed last night and I said, God, I had a rough February. I'll do better in March. And God looks down and says, no, you won't. That's why I'm here. You can't do better, Josh. You're fine. I paid it all. Quit working at it. That weighs us down, doesn't it? Constant failure. I feel like a failure. I'll give you another one. The struggles of life, the failures of life, the sins of life. It's there in every single one of us, whether you want to admit it or not. Maybe they're secret. Maybe they're hidden. Maybe nobody knows. Maybe everybody knows. But you're carrying around. And that's what sin is. You're carrying around a burden that you can't carry. And the more sin you have on you, understand this. This goes for, I see so many teenagers like this, that the more sin they face, it's, it's like they start just bowing down. <laughs> it happens to every single one of us. The sin will just weigh you down so much. Whether it's hidden sin, whether it's past sin that you regret. Maybe it's been forgiven, but you ain't forgiven yourself yet. But it's just holding you down. It's weighing you down. I did this. I acted this way. I'm doing this. I'm living in this way. And it just holds you down and weighs you down. And it's a burden upon top of you. And your conscience eats away at you. And guilt weighs you down. It's unconfessed. It's unforgiven. It's weighing you down. Sin will weigh you down. 
Sin will weigh you down. Failure will weigh you down. Struggles of life will weigh you down. And that's who he's talking to here. All that are labored and heavy laden underneath all this care. All this anxiety. All this worry. And he looks to you and says, come to me. Now let me ask this before I move to the last point. Does that describe you? If you say no, Josh, would you just describe the struggles of life, the failures of life, the sin of life? None of that weighs me down. I have everything together. Life is grand for me. I would tell you two things. You're a liar and the truth ain't in you. And Jesus says, this invitation isn't for you. He said earlier in the passage that I hide these things from the wise and the prudent and I reveal them to the, the babes. Come here. The wise and the prudent says, I don't need to come to you. I'm walking just fine. And the babe says, I'm barely holding it together. <laughs> And I better get to those outstretched arms of Jesus very soon or I'm going to hit my face. Isn't that what a baby does? I've, I've had it happen so many times that I have to go run and, and dive and catch. Because <laughs> you let them go just for a second and they take one step and all of a sudden they're face planting. That's every single one of us. We better get to those outstretched arms very fast. That's how we all feel. i got to get to His arms very fast or everything's going to fall. The wise and the prudent says, can you imagine a baby saying that? I'm good, Dad. I'm walking just fine. And then you watch them walk and they're all over the place. You're a liar. You're a liar. Every one of us is barely holding on. So if you're going to say, nope, that's not me. I got everything just fine. You might as well turn me off the rest of this sermon. Some of you already have. But just go ahead. I'll give you permission. But if that does describe you, oh boy, do I have a promise for you. Because not only... Is this, this is good, is this the greatest invitation because of the person it's from and the people that it's to? It's the greatest invitation because of the promise that it gives. Look what he says. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He gives us three action words here. You ready for it? Here's how we get to him. You ready? Here's the steps that we take. Let's go back to that baby analogy. You say, Josh, you're being really silly this morning. No, I'm bringing it down to the level I can understand it. So if it's silly, it's silly. He's giving us three steps that we take to get to him. You ready? First one is come. He doesn't say, go and do better. He doesn't say, go and work harder. He doesn't say, go and quit sinning. He doesn't say, go and do anything. That's what religion says. And if you have a preacher that comes up to me and say, up to you and says, you've got to go and do better. You've got to go and work harder. You've got to go and quit sinning. You've got to go and do, 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 do. That's wrong. That's religion. Jesus doesn't say, go and do. He says, come and rest. So he says, come. That's, that's the first word. That's, a, that's an easy word. Everybody in here understands it. That's the first gesture you ever learned. That's why it's so simple. All he says is, come. So that's the action word, come. Like a child, reach up and reach out, not with your hands, but with your heart and your soul, and say, I'm coming to Jesus. 
And the next action word, they're all here, come unto me. And then verse 29, take my yoke. You say, what's a yoke? It's something they put on an ox. So what we do is when we come, we take our weight off. And I like that. I take my heavy weight off. I take my hard weight off. I take my burdens and my sins off. I take my struggles and my failures off. I get rid of my burdens and I hand them to Jesus, the one who bore my sorrows on the cross, and I give them to Him. That's what I'm doing. I'm coming to Him and saying, I don't need my burdens anymore. I don't need my struggles anymore. I don't need my sins anymore. And I hand them to the only one in the world who can carry them. I don't put my struggles on my wife. I don't put my burdens on my wife. I give it all to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they weigh me down, but He took them to the cross. Every last one of them. And what does He give me? This is so good. What an exchange. I give Him the hard. I give Him the the work. I give Him the, the heavy. I give Him the struggles. And He says, now take my yoke. And it is easy. And it's light. We give him the heavy and the hard. He gives us the easy and the light. We get to yoke up with Christ. And he took my burdens to the cross and was punished for them. He gives me the light ones that I don't have to be weighed down anymore. Why are we so weighed down when Jesus has already carried those things? You say, I got burdens today. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our griefs and sins to bear. Bring them to Him. Take them off of you because you can't carry them. And He'll give you a light load. Easy. I'll take that, won't you? Then last thing He says here, last action word. Come to me, take my yoke, and learn of me. Verse 29. Come, take, and learn. You say, what does that learn? That yoke is like a leash that he puts on us. The leash of the world, the yoke of the world is heavy and hard. The leash or the yoke that he gives us is so easy. Get this. The yoke that the world gives us and our struggles and our burdens give us, we've got a very bad master. Who takes his whip and says, do it, do it, angry, mad. And Jesus puts his yoke on us. It's so easy. He's not whipping. You know what he does? When I fail, he picks me up. When I struggle, he says, it'll be okay. He's a good master. And he says, learn of me. Do what I say. It'll be so much easier when you quit fighting, you quit resisting, and there's no more kicking against the pricks. Just do what I say. Trusting in Him, resting in Him. So we come to Him, we give to Him, and we surrender to Him. And what does He give us? Here's the promise. Here's what we get. And I'll give you rest. It doesn't say riches. Think about that. If you read verse 28, it says, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you riches. It doesn't say that. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you pleasure. I'll give you greatness. I'll give you power. You can live in a palace and be miserable. He doesn't offer those things. Two times in this verse, he says, I'll give you rest. 
And that word rest is relief. When you say, how many people in this room can say that right now you are, it's okay, he's got it. I can't say that I'm fully that way. But I can hand him everything in my life that worries me, concerns me, and overwhelms me. And I can sit here and say, he's got it. That's what rest is. It's rest of the mind that I don't have to have my mind racing anymore. You know what we do when our minds go nuts? You know, you know what that is? That's our mind trying to figure out how it's going to work out. I lay in bed at night doing that. This sermon's to me. I told you it was encouragement to me. I lay in bed and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, coronavirus, how can we fix this? <laughs> and I get up and wash my hands. <laughs> you know, get them all, every one of them. Cut my fingernails. You say, Josh, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and your mind races. Well, you go to bed at night and your mind's racing. I'll go to bed tonight, and I've got a few minutes. I'm, I'm doing well on time. But tonight I'll go to bed, and I'll sit there. Who wasn't at church today? Who, who, well, I wonder what they're doing. You think they're mad at me? <laughs> mind racing. This is where my mind goes. You know, just, just racing. And, and when, you, when you give it all to him who says that I can carry that, I'm strong enough. Do you think the Almighty's strong enough to carry your worries? You better believe he is. That's why he's Almighty. He has all authority. There's nothing underneath him that he can't take care of. So I give it to Him. He is strong. He is mighty. I'm weak and I'm frail. I take it off of me, give to Him, and I don't have to figure it out anymore. I don't have to figure it out. I can do. He's more brilliant than I am. He's got this. I got you another one. It's rest for my heart. My heart gets weary sometimes. Doesn't yours? Doesn't have to race anymore. Sometimes you get nervous and your heart starts to you. It's like you're beating out of your chest. You say, Josh, I didn't know you had those problems. We all do. I'm not going to hide them anymore. We all struggle. I'm barely holding it together. Most sermons. You go, oh, Josh, I thought you had it all together. No. no. Ask Steph. It's rest for my conscience. It's rest for my soul. That when the storms rage and there's chaos on the outside, he gives us rest that says, I have peace like a river. And it's rest that only Jesus can give you. I'm, I'm amazed that no politician has ever offered that as a promise. I've never heard a politician and their slogan or their platform be, vote for me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you free <laughs> Free, 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 free. <laughs> they, they promise everything, don't they? I mean, they get up there and they promise everything in the world. I heard one of them sometime, if you vote for me, we'll cure, we'll cure cancer. Will you? Why aren't you doing it anyway? <laughs> if you vote for me, I will. <laughs> Josh, you can get yourself in trouble. I know, and I'll worry about it tonight, too. <laughs> You know why no politician can offer it? Because no, no politician can give it. And there isn't enough money in the world to buy rest. There's a reason politicians, and, or not politicians, celebrities in Hollywood are some of the most miserable people in the world. 
There's more drugs, there's more divorce, there's more sex, there's more just, it's just constant. Why is that? They're miserable. They can't find rest for their souls. They can have all the money in the world, all the palaces in the world. They can take all the trips in the world. They can have the boats and the cars and everything that money can buy, but money can't buy rest. Money can't give anybody. It can't. I don't care how much money you make. Some of the most most relieved, restful people that I've ever seen has the least amount of money. The only one, I'll I'll give you another one, the doctor can't prescribe it. Politicians can't promise it. Celebrities can't buy it. And doctors can't prescribe it. The only one who can give you rest is the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, how can he give me rest? You guys ask such good questions. Watch this. He gives you rest because your sins are paid and forgiven. It's finished. No more guilt. Conscience is clear. It's done. The work has been completed. I don't have to work for my salvation. I don't have to labor for my salvation. I don't have to do anything to be saved. I'm resting in Christ because He paid it all. Every last bit of it. Every sin that I've ever committed or will commit or have on me right now has been taken care of by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And I can rest in that. I, I want to say this, and it may, you guys might take me wrong. I don't want you to, but get this. You do not have to go to church to be saved. You can stop right now and never attend another church service ever and your sins will still be forgiven of you you see you say no I, I still have to go to church stop working for your salvation rest in it you say Josh you might not have anybody here next week I don't go to church to be saved I go to church because I am saved you don't have to give another dime to the church You say, Josh, your offering plate may be empty next week if you say that. If you're giving, hoping that keeps you saved, you're just working yourself to death and you're laboring and you need to rest. Try this. Don't give next week. That is probably the only time you've ever heard a preacher say that. (laughs) I'll never be confused for Joel Osteen. (laughs) Don't give next week. And you'll still be saved. Don't come next week. Sit at home. Watch something on TV. You'll still be saved. Don't behave. And Jesus will still look at you and say, you're doing all right. I have already behaved for you. I've already given enough for you. I've already paid it all. You quit trying to give towards it. The cause has already been taken care of. Every last bit of it. Your going to church won't make you saved. It won't keep you saved. Your giving an offering won't make you saved. It won't keep you saved. We need to learn to rest in our salvation. It's all been taken care of. It's done. It's accomplished. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, you know what that means? There's nothing else we can add to it. Rest in the fact that your sins are forgiven. I'll give you another one. We can rest because our sins are paid for. We can rest because nothing in this world can ever separate me from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a whole lot of things that can happen in this world. And life throws all kinds of things at you. And a lot of times I feel like a bug on a windshield. 
I mean, is that not true? Is that how life is? And, and, and he goes through it in Romans chapter 8. And he says, this is going to hit you. And this is going to hit you. Trials and tribulation and distress and Satan himself. Everything is going to hit you. But get this. There's nothing in this world or the world to come that can ever separate you from the love that you have in Christ Jesus. Once you're in his arms and you get there, get this. Nothing can take you out. I'm going to heaven and nothing can stop that. You know what I got? Rest in that. Rest in that. I'll give you another one. You guys ain't asking for it, but I'm going to give you more. Rest because your sins are forgiven. Rest because nothing can separate you from Christ. Once you're in His arms, you're in His arms. You want to take my salvation? Take His arms off me. (laughs) The Bible says He's in our hands, in His hands, and nothing can separate you from that. I'll give you another one. Rest because He is so good. You say, all these things are great, but that doesn't help me in life. My sins are forgiven. Nothing can separate me. That's heaven. What are you going to give me now, Josh? How do you rest now, Josh? He works all things out for the good. Who loves, who, who loves Him and is called according to His purposes. There, there's your rest. You say, there's some bad things happening in my life. And it's one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. And everything that happens. And I know this may be hard, but here it comes. When this comes, He's working it out for good. When that comes, He's working it out for good. You say, I can't see it. I can't understand it. That's what trust is. I'll give you an example of trust. We were riding home from a ball game the other night. From Norton down to Big Stone. And we hit the overlook. And it was as foggy as foggy can fog. (laughs) Steph will tell you. I mean, she gets nervous. She gets, she, she gets shaky. She says, Josh, slow down. I'm like, I'm going 12. <laughs> you couldn't see the road. You couldn't see in front of you. It felt like the fog was in our van. And I'm sitting there holding on for dear life, trying to find anything to show me where I'm at. Steph screaming in my ear. And I look back in my car. Emma's sound asleep. The boys are back there fighting. Gracie's on her phone. (laughs) And I'm thinking, are they not scared? We could die. And Emma's asleep. Sound asleep. Gracie's sitting there TikToking or something. I don't know. (laughs) How can they do that? How can they do that with all this going on? And the answer was, and they didn't have to give me an answer, but as long as Abba is in control, they have nothing to worry about. You ask them, Daddy's driving. Dad's okay. As long as there's no panic. As long, they only saw the back of my head. But as long as there's no panic. <laughs> can't tell panic from the back of the head. <laughs> But as long as there's no panic in the driver's seat, there's no panic in the passenger seat. You with me? The last thing I want to see when I get on an airplane is a pilot sitting there saying, I really don't know. (laughs) I want to see a pilot standing there saying, this is fine. You don't want to hear the loudspeaker, we need help. 
But my kids are sleeping and playing and fighting because up front they know daddy's got this. And I know, I know, it's just some funny things. But you better believe there ain't an ounce of panic in heaven. Not an ounce. There's not one thing in this world that he's going to look at and say, oh no. Boy, Josh has got himself in some trouble now. <laughs> How am I going to get him out of this one? No, I had a plan before the foundation of the world. I have a plan for how it's going to end. I have a plan for everything that's happening in between. And there's nothing in this world that can throw my plan off. Not even the crucifixion throws his plan off. It was in his plan. It's all a part of his plan. It's, it's, all, it's all worked out. He's, he's working all things out for the good, for those who love him or are called according to his purposes. And, and that word all is in that. Have you seen that? He's working all things out for the good. Have you heard that word in this passage today? He's working all things out. You say, is there anything he's not working out? Under all is all. Everything he's working out. No matter what it is in your life, he's working it out. And you know what we can do? We can fall fast asleep in the back of our car and say, God has this. I'm going to rest in that. I trust Him. That's your rest. So here's the invitation. Jesus offers a universal solution to everything that burdens us. No, 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 let me say it. Jesus is the universal solution to everything that burdens us. There was a billboard. I've, I've told this before, but it's one of my favorites. There's a billboard in California that somebody, somebody put up in, in, on the road in California that says, Jesus is the answer. And some, who knows what, spray painted underneath it. What's the question? And then somebody come back underneath it and said, it don't matter what the question is, Jesus is still the answer. That's what I give you today. I don't know what your burden is. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your care is. I don't, care. I don't know. I don't know. I know what mine are. I don't know what yours is. But Jesus is the universal solution to all the burdens that we have, no matter what it is. So you can take whatever that burden is off of you and put it on him, and he'll carry it for you. And you can just rest in him. So I invite you today, because that's, that's what he is. In this scripture, he stands extending an invitation to you, come to me. That's for those of you who aren't saved, he's inviting you to a saving relationship with him. And all you have to do, get this, all you have to do is take one step of faith, and he catches you immediately. Immediately. You say, I, I, my step isn't what it should be. What baby step is? We come to him like a child. With childlike faith that just says, I know he'll catch me. And get this, he always does. All who come to him, he will in no wise cast them out. Not a chance in the world that when you take that step of faith, he does. No. You take that step of faith. He'll take his big, strong, saving arms and he'll catch you. And in his arms, he'll take, he'll shield you. And you will find solace there for your soul. Come to him. Come to him like a child. Come to him without delay. Come to him while his arms are like this. Who in the world turns that down? Who in the, I said it last week, but stubborn people 
Who in the world turns that down? He stands. Let me do this. I, 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 just drew, I, I drew a smiley face in my notes. Just to make sure that I didn't mm, come to Jesus. <laughs> let me say this. Come to Jesus. Can I say this to you? He'll take every one of your burdens, every one of your cares. He said, Josh, I don't know what to say. I would walk this aisle and I would get on my face on this altar and I would say, Jesus, I don't know what to say, but I'm coming to you with a promise that you said you'll give me rest. You get, what baby says, I don't know what I'm going to say when I get there. <laughs> Just fall into his arms. You, I'm coming to you. You told me you'd catch me. You told me you'd give me rest for my soul. And get this, any and all who come will find that rest. It's a promise. That's one of the great, the great things about this passage is, is the promise that it, that it gives. He will. I will. The Almighty will. The one with all authority will. There's no doubt. He will give you rest in life with your burdens and cares and with your soul. In salvation. So there's three reasons why this is the greatest invitation that's ever been given. And you can leave here today, every one of you, either restless or at rest. You decide. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, especially verses like these loaded. What a passage! What an invitation. And God, let everybody in here know, please, by your spirit, that this invitation is to them. If they're overwhelmed with a burden of care today, may they come and find rest. And God, if they're overwhelmed with sin, guilt, may they come today and find rest. Please, God, use this invitation to draw people to yourself. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music plays and the altar is open,